Hello, today we are joined by Ms. Erika Baffelli, who is a professor of Japanese studies at the University of Manchester in the United Kingdom. Uh, she's joining us from Manchester as we speak. Uh, her research covers new religions in Japan. Uh, you can read some of her publications in the links we will share on the episode description. Um, and so we're going to talk about new religions in Japan, uh, and, and she knows a lot more than we do about it. So Erika, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So um, I had a very strange encounter um, uh, last month with a friend of ours. We were walking near one of those new religions and uh, people, security people came out and said, uh, don't take pictures here. <laughs> Even though we were on the public street, we were not in, in, in any private property. And uh, um, we thought it was so odd. Uh, obviously, we were being observed by cameras and they, you know, these, these security guys came out of nowhere. So it really piqued my interest. I did a bit more research and then I found your name and I reached out to you and you very, very kindly agreed to appear on the show. So please tell us a bit about your research. Um, what is your definition of new religions in Japan? And, um, and then let's take it from there. Um, so most part of my work at the beginning has been on groups that are usually identified as new religion, but in particular the very recent ones. So most of the group I worked on are been the one funded from the 1970s. And initially I was really interested in how this group used the media, um, in particular at the very beginning when they start. So how media could be used to create a new images or to uh, to create a, to shape the image of the leader, but also the conflict they had with, with media sometimes, this kind of ambiguous relationship about using them, but also being attacked by the media quite a lot. Then I moved on to look a little bit more of the experience in particular of former uh, members of Om Shinikyo that you probably know is the most notorious of, of new religion because some member committed the sarin gas attack in Tokyo subway in 1995. And I was interested more about the aftermath. So what's happened 20 years later, what these people are doing. So I did some research on the splinter groups, but then I've I, I then in some research on female ex-member in particular. So there are no longer member, but some of them are still in this kind of ambiguous position and not being able to detach themselves completely from the experience. And then I move on in looking a bit of the aging one. So what's happened when a new religion is not new anymore? So when is not that active anymore, is, is the leader is, and when the leader is about to die. And I wrote this book with my colleague and reader who look at one new religion called Agonshu and how it started because Ian did field work on them in the 80s and I started later on and then the leader dies. So we, we look at one generation what's happened um, when a religion is aging. Uh, so we also open up the question, going back to your question about how we, why these groups are still called new when they are not new anymore. Right. So in, in, um, yeah. So what are some of the commonalities? I mean, for me, when I look at all these new religions in Japan, what are some of the shared commonalities between them? Uh, what is the main influence? I mean, um, is it inspired by Buddhism or Christianity or a combination of many, you know, what's going on there and why it seems to me there's a lot of them in Japan. Uh, is that an impression or is that? 
No, it's not incorrect. And it's a great question because in reality, new religions uh, or Shinshukyo in, in Japanese is a really umbrella term right. that include very, very different groups. Some of them are tiny. Some of them claim millions of members. Some of them were founded in the 80s and some of them like Omoto, Tennikyo, go back to the, you know, uh, the late, you know, the Meiji um, Taisho period. So they are now several multiple generation groups. So it's also quite difficult to, to have just a list of characteristics because some of them are extremely different. Some of them like group like Sokagakai, Risho Koseikai are Buddhist. So they, um, they are in the Lotus Sutra Nichiren uh, lineage of traditional Buddhism, while other ones are more close to kind of, um, in a sense, popular religion or kami worship or the type, you know, that they are more focused into the idea of a, of a specific kami or a series of kami. So in terms of so doctrine, they tend to be very different. What makes them common is usually in the Japanese context, the fact that they were founded or became established usually from the late Tokugawa to the Meiji onward. So it's more a temporal definition, while in other contexts like, you know, when we talk about new religious movement in Europe or America, usually the scholar also look at, only look at the first generation, first generation in new, and then is no longer called new religion. Well, in, in the Japanese context, you know, group that are 200 years old, they're still called new religion. So one is the idea is that, and the other is the fact that they are, even if they are big, even they are quite established, they are still perceived as my, minor, or in a sense, there is a process of minor, minoritization of this group, or marginalization. They're, they are still seen as suspicious, uh, they, because they don't fit exactly the, the, um, the definition of traditional religion, which are usually, the Buddhist temples, the, the main denomination, and the practice that you do at Shinto shrine. So this kind of ritual you do at, at, the, at the Jinja. Uh, although they have practice very similar, they are usually considered as not fitting those definition, and so they are still marginalized. And then they keep still being calling new, although nowadays quite a few of them resist that definition and just say we're not new anymore. Or they would like to be seen as more into the, the, the Buddhist lineage, for example, the Buddhist right. tradition. Right. Uh, okay, so on the one hand, it seems like there's like a multiplicity, there's some dynamism. Um, on the other hand, as you say, they continue to be marginalized or miniaturized. Um, so what, what creates that dynamic? So if I compare to, let's say the United States where okay, let's apply the term new religion to, let's say, the televangelists on, the, on TV. Um, they're not marginalized. They've become super powerful, super successful, uh, more so than, let's say, the old religions. Uh, so what are the dynamics that, that govern Japanese culture, Japanese society, where you can have something that's 200 years old and still called new religion and, and still marginalized? Well, it's a very complex question. So I'm going to flag up probably a few points or we can be here for yeah, my entire- <laughs> Right, yes, yes. <laughs> I think one point to remember, we don't have anything similar to the televangelist in the Japanese context, but also right. 
religion is minor in the Japanese context. You know, if you look at statistics, very few people will self-define themselves as, as religious. Although a lot of people goes to Jinja or go to right. temple to perform funerals or, you know, the Shichigo San ritual. So there is a participation in a lot of ritual, yeah. but very little self-acknowledgement of being part There's of a organization. Sorry, there's like high levels of practice, but low levels of belief, maybe. In a sense, yes. Although you can still believe and do the practice, but you don't necessarily feel that you are part of a specific religion organization. Mm. In that sense, new religion, they've been extremely successful. Some of them has millions of members, and especially in a post-war period, some of them grew quite, quite quickly. So it's not that they are being minor in terms of numerically minor. You know, some of them are actually probably have more attendance and engagement than some Buddhist temple where they have very few danka nowadays. Right. But it's this perception, and there is also from the point of view of some of the members that they are still not comfortable of, of talking about the membership with external. Uh, and even in the in the big denominations, sometimes some of them hide their membership to co-workers or uh, to other people who are outside. So there is always this fear to be perceived as negatively. And of course, the sarin gas attack didn't help. You know, even before some of these groups were seen, like Sokogakai has never been seen positively, but the, the fact that one religious group can actually kill, they, they can be violent, you know, the sarin gas attack, uh, you know, have a big, was a big shock in, in the Japanese context. And, and um, increase the negative nuances. Religion in general is perceived as not necessarily positive in, in Japan, which I think it's different than, than other contexts. Um, so this idea of, of minor is more an idea of perception of this group more than numerically minor. In terms of success, some of them, you know, uh, Sokogakai is connected with a political party. Uh, they, they know financially they are quite strong, some of these group. So I wouldn't say then minor in term of irrelevant at all. Uh, okay. but, yeah. It's kind of a strange dynamic to me as, as, a, as a foreigner. Uh, and I'm trying to kind of get my hands around it. Uh, which one is happy science? Is that? Kofukunokagaku. Okay. So Kofukunokagaku was founded in, is one of the most recent ones. So it was founded in 1986. Uh, more or less the same time as Om Shinikyo. So the two leader was um, a young leader. They were in the thirties. Um, they were um, you know, in competition with each other. They didn't like each other. So there was you know, the very famous TV shows in the early nineties where the two group were invited and, you know, that, and they were discussing Buddhism and, and youth and religion. Um, in Kofukunokaku is often picked up uh, as you know an example of Japanese new religion and sometimes picked up also by international newspaper because of some you know, idea that, that seems a bit unusual, but is in a sense an outliner in, in, in the Japanese context. It's, it's not necessarily, you know, it has a lot of similarity with other groups and it's been of course influenced by other groups, so how they set up the, you know, the use of the publisher, that the selling a lot of books is something you find in other in other group, that the importance of the leader as the center of the group and the charismatic leader is common to other organization. But there, 
you know, very extreme right political view or the right. uncompromising view about, you know, the fact that religion should be, have a say in politics or in education are in a sense an outline. You know, you, in, in, more, in many of the other of these group, you find a little bit more of compromising with, you know, a, a secular state or a, a secular society. While Kofuku no Kagaku, especially since they entered politics, so 2008, when they founded the Kofuku Jitsugento, um, they became more and more, in a sense, you know, quite strong in their idea that, you know, education should be the, the kind of school they do, education should be based on the leader teaching, and they have this very, um, you know, conservative, uh, even extreme right view in, in, in right. politics. Do, do uh, they have their own schools or they, they or they think that public schools should adopt their ideology or both? They have their own school. They have a junior high school. Uh, they also, and those schools are recognized, so they, they teach the usual con, you know, the, curriculum. The curriculum. Uh, but a few years ago, they applied for a university um, and the Mambukagaku so turned down the application. So it was, I think it was 2014, if I remember correctly, they rejected the application because the entire curriculum was based on, on the leader's teaching and they didn't define it at, at science, gakumon, or right. and, or teaching, and then the group push back uh, and say that, you know, say that no, that this could have been you know, something learning and, and scientific. Uh, so there was this kind of uncompromising attitude. And at the end, they open in the university, but it's a non-recognizing university. So the, the degree there is, is not recognized as a right. degree in, in Japan. Wow. And so what happens when these charismatic leaders age or die? Um, how many of them survive? Um, what kind of succession planning usually exists? That is a great question. And of course, it's one of the most fascinating uh, as moment, which is very gloomy things to say, right? You know, you just wait for the leader to die. But it's usually a very interesting moment for the group because it's whatever they, they can be prepared for it or not. In case of, of Kiriyama Seiyu Nagonsu, the leader was 94. Five or 96, so it wasn't a sudden event. It's still a traumatic event for the organization. Mm -hmm. And there are some cases where the succession has been planned like Omoto. The succession is through the, the female lineages of, of the founder side. So the Gucci now, and then all the female in the family, but the leader now are more kind of, you know, they're no longer considered charismatic leader. They are considered more, you know, the administration run in the, the organization the wise uh, so, leader at the top or something in the background yes yeah basically <laughs> but it's more you know became more structured as, as a structure uh -huh. so but the problem is when the something happened and there is no uh, successor which was the case of gla for example when the leader died uh, quite suddenly and quite young and the daughter took over and she was quite young and she was not recognized by all the organizations. So that was a split. So we, we have several 
splinter groups that there were uh, that happened. And in the case of Agonsu, despite he was so old, he didn't have a successor. So now there is more, um, you know, a group of people in charge and, and a top priest. Uh, but is 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 I think the organization is is in a very struggling moment at the moment. It's an aging membership. The leader died, who was the kind of a center of the organization. In, in case of Sokaga Kai is a really interesting example because the leader, even if he's no longer the president, but the, who is actually the leader, Ikeda Daisaku, hasn't been shown in public for decades, over a decade now. Uh, and of course, the group is preparing to the fact of his departure at some point, but it's going again to be a very big shock for the organization. Uh, but this was a, in a way of withdrawing him from, from view um, and then trying to prepare. But in that case as well, they already say they won't be a successor. They will be a kind of um, organization of setup that will, will run the, the, the group without a main, a main leader. So there are different ways, but it's usually a very, you know, very critical point for, for all of these organizations going into the second generation. And, and some of them succeed and sometimes the second leader is actually can, can be uh, an, another charismatic leader, uh, but, but they can also, the, you know, a lot, we have in true history group that just disappear. Uh, they just die out um, for, for several reasons, not just in Japan, but some group don't, don't survive. The, yeah. the next generation. Hmm. Uh, some of these groups that re remind me a little bit of Christian science, mm -hmm. the Christian science in, in the US. Uh, so when these guys on the street in Tokyo came out and said, don't take pictures, and they looked a bit intimidating and you could tell they were monitoring, it reminded me of a documentary I, I saw about Christian Science uh, Church in, in the US. It's, it's very similar behavior, similar tactics, intimidating. And uh, what, any thoughts on that, that that you can share? I, I think there is a huge difference amongst group. And I think that right. some of them are actually probably, you know, that especially the one from the 17 onwards that they been exchanged with other group outside Japan. So even if we don't have anything similar to, you know, they're, they're, we don't have the televangelists, you can see some influence for those kind of use of the media as well in, in Kofukunokagaku, for example. Yeah. But also how they approach the external is, is really varies. I, you know, a lot of group I can think about the oldest new religion, they will let you take all the food you want. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Their center, they will be oh, yeah. very welcome. Some group are especially, I think, a bit more wary when it's come to journalists. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that some of these group are really worried about how they've been portrayed. So Kofukuno Kagaku in particular, you know, I know that there was this article in the New York Times that was, was quite critical and they responded to it. So they're usually very, uh, you know, yeah. they, they're very careful about what, how they are portrayed and how to respond to it. Yeah. While some other group, are much more relaxed about this. So I think it varies, it varies a lot, but there's always been this tension with, with the media in particular. Um, also because the media in Japan tend to be very, very critical of, of, of these groups. So I wanted to talk to you about the, this, this part about the media. So now we have uh, TikTok, Instagram, social media, et cetera, where 
um, where people in, in many ways have more control over um, creating an image and, and uh, presenting an image of themselves. How have these groups um, been sort of, how have they adapted to the new media landscape? Not very well, in, in, in sum it up, in the sense that, of course, uh, some of it, it, first of all, they were extremely late in the new religion to even use the internet at all. Um, because uh, no, internet is offer you a lot of possibility, but it's also difficult to control uh, in, in, in terms of damage control or criticism. So they all, then they, of course, they have their website, they have present in social media, but they tend to be still very unidirectional type of communication. Um, not that much interaction. They've been using it a lot, you know, to promote material. And I know they, you know, they've been using in, during the pandemic, some of them uh, to, to stream, but usually for, for just for the members. And it's quite interesting because at the beginning, they were very pioneering using the media. So Agonsu was one of the first organization in Japan, not just religious group to use satellite broadcasting. But then they got stuck with satellite broadcasting, so they still use them. Where now, you know, you could just dream through the internet. Uh, so I think, and and then it's also a generational thing. A lot of this group, in reality, are very similar to Buddhist temple. The majority of their member are elderly member, so they don't really they they're not on TikTok. Or, or this kind of, you know, or, or social media in general. Um, and a lot of them still prefer kind of the printed uh, way of, of communication or really phone calls. Some of them were talking about that during the pandemic, they did a lot of phone calls to their members because they were elderly, elderly members. Right. Um, I did a bit of study on one of the spinter group from Om and how they used the internet in 2007-2008. So a group called Hikari no Wa that was founded by Joyu Fumihiro, was, was the spokesperson of Om at, at the time. And they case they were really on social media, Mixi at the time, that now has almost disappeared, but at the time was very popular in Japan. And then also in Twitter, YouTube, but it was also because they had no choice. You know, they, they had no access to other media, they didn't have their own media, so the internet was their way, their platform to, to present their, you know, themselves and try to persuade people that they changed. Mm -hmm. um, so there was, that, that was one example, and I know the, the new leader of Seichonoye, which interesting has always been a rather conservative right wing um, uh, organization, but the new leader has been promoted a lot of environmental discourse in the organization and was also quite active on Twitter, for example. So we have sporadic example, but I wouldn't really say that most of them has done because of, you know, I think it's also generational things for, for most of this group. So means the the groups struggling with recruiting um, uh, the new members. I mean the younger generation, are they? Yeah, definitely. I think you know the vast majority of this group um, are not growing since the 60s, 70s. You know, they, it is not what the news, the magazine will tell you. They usually project this group as, but a lot of them are not, are, are actually quite either stable or decreasing. And if you talk with them, they're usually quite open about, you know, explaining them. Um, is, is it, you know, and also when you start having the third, fourth generation, 
they often less engage. So they are, it became a family religion. Yeah. So they still participate in it, but they are not that interested in proselytism anymore. So one of some of the oldest ones, they're actually done actively proselytize or very little. Um, so this is a generational thing. It's also a thing that in a mass majority of young people in Japan are not interested in, in joining this group. Um, so I, I think the vast majority of them, some are will be very, it's, it's always of course very difficult to have data because they usually don't share actual data of, of their members, but you know, it's, it's quite clear um, also when you see some center closing or you know, the, the depopulation is, is affecting them as is affecting Buddhist temple in, in, the same, in the same way, especially in the countryside. So none of them I would say has been picking up a lot of members. Um, some of them are, are still large, you know, I think about Shinyuan in, in Tachikawa. Those groups are still relatively large as, as organization and, and quite healthy. Uh, but they also won't say that they are expanding that, that much. I see, thank you. So I'm gonna make a prediction. Yeah. And let me know what you think about it. Um, a lot of the new religions are going to um, shut down, but you're going to have a new innovative type of religion that will appeal to the young urbanized Japanese in the near future. I don't know. This prediction has been done many times. You know, they're always, and of course, my, uh, you know, I'm really, really, people in religious studies need religion, otherwise, we have nothing to study, right? <laughs> so we, we don't want to predict religion to die. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, the, the Japanese society, as, as a lot of um, European, North American society, are secularized, but at the same time, secularization didn't mean the religion is gone. You know, that was the prediction for, for some scholars, but it's proven wrong. Religion is there. Religion yeah. plays an important role in politics, uh, in the society, uh, but it's keep transforming in, in different garbs. Yeah. So I think a lot of this group will stay until there are people interested in them and until they are, until they are meaningful for some people. And then when the, um, that will, and then they, some of them can, slightly low, slow down and die. Other maybe will have a kind of revival at some point and, and get new emphasis. The same could be say a lot of Buddhist temples are shutting down in Japan. Yeah, I guess my question was a new, um, a new species of new religion. So uh, you mentioned earlier that in the 1970s, we saw a lot of sort of this, this mm -hmm. these new uh, religions coming up, these new churches or whatever you want to call them coming up. And what I was trying to say is that perhaps something completely different is going to start happening today or in the near future. It, it could, but uh, we, we, the, the main, you know, uh, upsurge was actually in the, in the post-war. And then we had another new group founded in the 70s and the 80s. But since then, not many. You know, okay. I think maybe the structure of a group is not what people are looking for. You know, there are also other people that prefer to go to different practice. And, and, and one thing to remember in Japan is a lot, the vast majority of even new religion are not exclusionary. So you can be a member of new religion, mm -hmm. but still go to your Buddhist temple, 
so people were go where their needs are are solved uh, or or respond. It's a bit you know not necessarily just in in one group. So I I the moment I can uh, personally I cannot see the a new wave or new religion emerging, type, but. Yeah. We, we never know, of course, okay. uh, but the condition at the moment doesn't seem to, but especially institutionalized religion, both new and, and more traditional are actually declining. Um, yeah. Doesn't mean that people are not practices, but the institution per se are definitely in crisis. Yeah, yeah. So there might be something a different form, uh, but non, I don't really see in a wave of this kind of group centered around a charismatic leader emerging. But you never know. You know, we never thought we would be in a pandemic two years ago, and then and here we are. Well, as you know, the Japanese are not so strongly following in the each religions. Like it, if you ask the, uh, the what's your religion, so they say. Well, I don't have religion, mm -hmm. but the Talosan mentioned to me, uh, there are many Shinko Shukyo, the uh, cult religion in Japan. Um, do you have any idea why the Japan has so many uh, cult religions? Um. Yeah, I tend not to use the word cult, um, and, and it's, an, it's one of the reasons why we prefer not to use it is because it has very negative nuances, so immediately define, create a division between good and bad religion, which, which I think is a problematic division, division, so we usually use new religions in, 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 instead. I think there's been a historical reason for that. So there was the period of, um, you know, the, the, the Meiji Taisha period and then the post-war where there was, you know, this, this new group emerging, but there was also the legislation, the Shukyo Hojin, that allowed this group to register as, as new religion. As I mentioned before, a lot of them died out um, and some of them stay very small. Uh, they are actually very tiny. So uh, the one that count millions of members are really few um, and they come the household. So is this, um, but I think there was a group of, you know, social and historical reason the why, why we had as many uh, in, in Japan, but there was also, you know, for, for some people they, 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 they responded to some needs or some thing they wanted in a specific period um, for, for, for different kind of reason because it, they, they varies quite a lot. Um, so the number is also difficult to, um, to establish, uh, you know, and also the number, but there are some statistics that say that probably between the 10 and the 20% of population in Japan has been member of a new religion at some point. So it's a part of a large number. And as I say before, often people say they are mushukyo, but doesn't necessarily mean that they don't practice or then we also need to remember that sometimes affiliation can be really light, you know, with religion in general. Some people are really committed, but very committed members are usually very few. A lot of other people that go along to some of the meetings or some of the rituals, and then they are not really super committed. But often this group count all of them as members, while the commitment can, can, be, can be very, very different for, for these people. Um, but saying Miyoshukyo doesn't necessarily mean that people are 
totally disinterest uh, or they don't do and they don't practice any, any religion at all. Or they might go along for a period and then stop. So there is also this kind of complex multiple affiliation, which I think is quite interesting to explore. Uh, so last question for you, uh, Erika, anything that you want to uh, mention that we haven't asked you about? No, I think you, you actually cover most of the most of the topic and, and also the very good one. Um, so I, I'm actually very, um, you know, I, I like that they, they were very neutral question and not immediately starting criticizing this group <laughs> as the time happened and, and demonize them because it's, I don't think no. it's necessarily the good approach. Even with the, the one that are more, in a sense, resistant or more difficult to have a dialogue with, mm. I think trying to find a dialogue is always an important part of, of, of communicating with, with this group and their members. Um, yeah. No, the, our objective is to understand, not to, not yeah. to judge. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. And, um, Thank you. It was, was really great. Have a good day. You too. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Global with your host, Tamago and Kangakuru Taro. See you next time. Bye-bye.